Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. This episode focuses on Pinot Grigio, or Pinot Gris, just two of the names that this grape variety is called by, and the fact that it has lots of different um, synonyms indicates just how historic and widespread the plantings of Pinot Gris are. And this is perhaps a little overlooked. We know about international grape varieties like Riesling, Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay planted all around the world, but Pinot Gris slash Pinot Grigio doesn't really get talked about in the same uh, conversation as those grape varieties, even though it's planted in many, many countries around Europe and around the world. And maybe that's because it isn't associated with the high quality that those grapes often are, that it's never been the cornerstone of plantings in New World countries, that it's only really planted in Alsace in France, that it's never cemented its reputation around the world. And also because its acidity can be relatively low in comparison to Riesling, Chardonnay or Sauvignon Blanc, which can maintain high acidity even in warm climates. So not a great variety that gets the attention that it arguably should. Perhaps that is also because of quality. Is Pinot Gris ever outstanding? Is Pinot Grigio ever outstanding? Well, arguably yes, and that's what we're going to look at in this episode. But also one reason that Pinot Gris slash Grigio gets misunderstood, or not quite um, understood as well as it could be, is that because it can be made in many different styles, and those two names offer a hint to those different styles that Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio can be made in. Usually Pinot Grigio, which has become internationally very popular over the last 10 to 15 years, the Italian name, suggests a style of wine which is quite neutral, with the grapes being picked early, with higher acidity, but not particularly uh, strong aromatics, so a fresh, easy-drinking, youthful style of wine. And that's the reason it's so popular, is it's easy to drink, especially on a warm summer's day. Pinot Gris, on the other hand, usually indicates a wine which has been picked later, so there's more aromatics, more sugar, more alcohol, but perhaps less acidity. It's a completely different style between the two. Pinot Gris is associated with Alsace, but is also you also find that in Frulli and Alto Adige, that name in Italy, whereas Pinot Grigio is associated with Veneto in northern Italy. And across the world, usually Pinot Gris, if a winemaker calls it by that name, the wine is fuller, more aromatic, higher in alcohol, richer, whereas if they call it by Pinot Grigio, then it's that more neutral style. So the name is a French-Italian difference, but also an indication of difference of style, of difference of uh, approach in winemaking, cost, and maybe ageability as well. But that's the simple version, because Pinot Gris can be made in lots of different uh, styles as well, from dry to off-dry to uh, quite sweet. And so there are lots of different categories for both Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio, and then it has other names in different countries as well. So there's a lot going on with uh, Pinot Gris, which is perhaps the reason why consumers don't always quite understand what they are getting when they buy a wine labelled under one of those names. So what's in a name? So I've already described how Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio indicate different styles, but there's also Graubegunder, which is its German name. Then in France it's also sometimes called Malvoisie, which is quite confusing because Malvoisie is also used for other grape varieties. In Alsace it was traditionally called Tokai. And then in Champagne and Burgundy, it's called Fromenteau or Bureau. 
And then there are other names in the Czech Republic, Slovenia, and Romania as well. So lots of different names. In some of these regions, it's historically very important and remains so. In other regions like Champagne and Burgundy, it is uh, much more obscure than it once was. So what is Pinot Gris? And we'll stick to that name uh, for the time being as a catch-all. It's a mutation of Pinot Noir, so it's directly related to the grape variety, with pink-coloured skins. And so it is possible to make rosé from Pinot Gris. And also the white wines may have some tannin, just very low tannin. So that's why Pinot Gris, the richer style, is often made with um, a bit of residual sugar, maybe just six grams per litre of residual sugar. But that sugar, because Pinot Gris doesn't have particularly high acidity, that sugar balances the... Um, the tannic nature of the white wine. And of course, we're not really used to white wines having a tannic structure or a tannic texture. So having that bit of sweetness just offsets that those tannins and makes the wines more palatable and approachable to the consumer. Where Pinot Gris originates from is open to question, possibly Burgundy, because of course uh, Pinot Noir is the Burgundian grape and Pinot Gris is a mutation of Pinot Noir, but also possibly from Germany, where it is still uh, quite widely planted. The warmer the site, the deeper the colour of um, Pinot Gris, so more um, pinkness to the, um, the skins. And of course Gris or Grigio refers to the pink coloured skins. It's a vigorous, but not a particularly high-yielding grape variety. can be susceptible to rot, and that's another reason why sweeter versions of Pinot Gris may be made, as well as a downy mildew. It's got small bunches, but it really does build up sugar. And the acidity levels really do depend on where the grapes are being planted, in terms of the warmth of the climate, and also um, when they're being picked, and that's also true of acidity. Alsace, or certain parts of northern Italy, for really high quality examples, the um, sugar levels will be higher and the acidity lower. Much richer style of wine. It's an historic grape variety. The first mention is actually in Germany, which is why the um, origin of Pinot Gris is open to dispute. It's in Baden-Württemberg back in 1711, although there are references to grape varieties which could be Pinot Gris uh, way before that as well. So we're talking about a grape variety which, which we know is 300 years old and more, but could be a lot older than that as well. Pinot Grigio, as it's known in Italy, it was first introduced in the 19th century to Piemonte, so in northwest Italy, but it was possibly already in Valle d'Aosta. And so there's that French connection with Piemonte and Valle d'Aosta, very uh, connected to France and Savoie back in the 19th century. But of course we know Pinot Grigio in Italy for the plantings in the Veneto, Alto Adige, Trentino and Frulli for different styles. And that's where it's uh, spread to and become extremely popular. So let's begin with France. Around about 2,600 hectares of plantings of Pinot Gris. And these are concentrated in Alsace. And in fact, there's about 2,400 hectares planted in Alsace. That's the vast majority of all plantings of Pinot Gris in France are in Alsace. And again, that might be one reason why Pinot Gris just hasn't quite got that international reputation. It's really focused on one French region. And the growth of Pinot Gris in Alsace is very recent. And so it's increased greatly in the last 40 years. So now there are nearly two and a half thousand hectares. It used to be about 500 hectares 40 years ago. So it's become much more popular, much more common. It's the third most planted variety in Alsace, accounting for about 15% of plantings. 
And these are generally rich, full-bodied wines, especially those from the Grand Cru on those warmer sites that really get the sunshine, really concentrate the aromas, and allow for a longer growing season to build up that acidity, but build up the sugars too. This is often made into an off-dry style, as I mentioned, to balance those slight tannins, but also because the wines are quite rich, and that just in incorporates that sugar. Now, the sugar is completely in tandem with the richness of Pinot Gris from Alsace, and the wines can be extremely aromatic, rich, fruity, stone and tropical fruits, floral with that bit of sugar, and they can also be made into Vandage Tardive, and so really rich, slightly sweeter styles of wine with, where the grapes have built up lots and lots of sugar. As with all wines in Alsace, there's no new oak. This is all about the aromatics of the grape variety. So in this instance, think of Pinot Gris as a cross or an in-between uh, Riesling and Gewürztraminer. And so it has the rich aromatics of Gewürztraminer, they're not quite as aromatic, without having the acidity of Riesling. So aromatic, medium acidity, whereas Riesling would be high acidity, Gewürztraminer low acidity. And the fact that it bears resemblances to those two great varieties perhaps gives an, an, an idea why it's become so popular in Alsace. Riesling can be very intense, concentrated, and age-worthy, whereas Gewürztraminer can be quite fat and flabby and heavy, and, and Pinot Gris is somewhere in between. Elsewhere in France, in Burgundy, it's still an official grape variety, and technically it can be 10% in Bourgogne Rouge which um, you would never actually see, but that is in the rules of Burgundy. But there's very little Pinot Gris planted. But there is some on the higher elevation sites of um, Haute-Côte de Beaune or Haute-Côte de Nuit with Pinot Blanc as well. And some producers kind of go back to the tradition of Pinot Gris or um, Pinot Barreau, as it used to be called in uh, Burgundy. But something that is very rare to find. Uh, Champagne is another region which um, Pinot Gris is an official grape variety. Fromenteau is what it's officially or historically called there. Again, very few plantings. Uh, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir and Meunier account for 99% of plantings in Champagne. So there's a very little bit of Pinot Gris or Fromenteau, but producers like Aubry do um, include it in their blends for a really traditional kind of going back to the um, history book style of wine. In Loire, it's also planted where it can be called Malvoisie or Pinot Bureau as it is in Burgundy. And that can be found in appellations such as Coteau d'Ancigny and Terrain Noble Jouet. This again indicates why Pinot Gris may not have the reputation that its quality can deserve. Because all the majority of plantings are in Alsace, which is a very unusual French region because of its German connections. It's been removed from Burgundy in all but name. It's been removed from Champagne in all but name, and those Loire appellations are extremely it, it, obscure. I've certainly never tried um, any of those appellations, so they're not very common at all. So it's not a great variety within France which has wide acclaim or wide or a broad reputation. But there's still lots of it planted around the world. So in Italy, the 6,700 hectares or thereabouts, so nearly three times the amount that's found in France. This explains why Pinot Grigio is perhaps more um, famous, more common than Pinot Gris itself, because there is so much more planted in Italy. And Pinot Grigio has become extremely popular because it's a light-bodied, neutral, easy-drinking, 
acidic, fresh style of wine. And Pinot Grigio is widely planted in Veneto, a large region which um, generally has the reputation for pretty easy, inexpensive wine. So Pinot Grigio fits into that category and it's becoming a driving force in the rise of Italian wine. However, there are some producers who produce really high quality versions and they may label it Pinot Grigio or Pinot Gris. And these will be located in um, Alto Adige in particular. So really um, Northern Italy, Austrian Italy, as it were, high altitude, mountainous, rocky soils, hot days, cool nights, so diurnal temperature variation, allowing the acidity of Pinot Gris slash Grigio to be preserved, but building up more aromatics because of the hot days and slightly later picking. So some examples of producers, if you're looking for Italian Pinot Gris, higher quality than Pinot Grigio, would be V de Romans or Franz Haas or Alois Legeda. And it is really fascinating to taste the difference between a really high quality Pinot Gris from Northern Italy and a fairly basic neutral Pinot Grigio. Germany is, is of course, most associated with Riesling, but there is a tradition for the Burgundy grape varieties, or Burgunder, so Spätburgunder, which is Pinot Noir, Weissburgunder, which is Pinot Blanc, and Grauburgunder, which is Pinot Gris. And the white Pinot varieties, Pinot Blanc and Pinot Gris, produce wines which are quite different from Riesling, without the leanness that you would associate with Riesling, and a bit more like a, a Chardonnay equivalent, even if the wines aren't aged in new oak, have lees aging and that rich, spicy, grainy texture. And so there are about four and a half thousand hectares planted of Grauburgunder, or Pinot Gris, or Pinot Grigio, planted in Germany, especially in Baden, which is the warmer part of Germany, so it's building up that richness and fullness and um, not dissimilar to Alsace, but the wines there are usually a little bit drier. Also Rheinhessen and Pfalz have plantings of Grauburgunder. More minor countries in Europe, uh, Luxembourg and Switzerland, they have small plantings, but because Pinot Gris has fairly low acidity, it suits their cool climates. So the wines aren't too tart. So they have that richness and a little bit of softness rather than being really uh, brittle and tart. Austria, there's just over 200 hectares of plantings. There it's called Grauer Burgunder, many planted in Burgenland. And these wines can again be quite rich in a slightly warmer climate and also quite um, age-worthy. Even though they have a lowish acidity, that richness just gives, gives the body the wines to age a few years, not a great amount. Then in Hungary, neighbouring Austria, there's about 1,500 hectares planted, which is a surprisingly large amount. The grape there is called, and I'm going to murder the pronunciation, Cirque Barat, but that is Pinot Gris, and planted in the regions of Matra and Badasconi, and to the west of Hungary, towards the Austrian borders. There's a big overlap between eastern Austria, where the grapes, where um, the wine regions are concentrated, and also western Hungary in terms of grape varieties and styles of wine. And here in Hungary, there's warm volcanic soils which build up the ripeness and the sugar levels. In Slovenia, there's about 500 hectares of Pinot Gris, or Sivi Pinot, as it's called in Slovenia. The plantings here are focused on the Austrian border. Another name I'm going to pronounce, Stajeska Slovenia, which is an extension of Styria in Austria and Gorishka Bruda, which is the main region of uh, Slovenia, located on the other side of the border from Fruli, and a lot of 
producers there have holdings on both sides of the Italian and Slovenian border. And then other European regions, the Czech Republic has 1,800 hectares, where it's called Rolanske Zeda, and located in Morava, which is one of the um, most important regions in the Czech Republic. I have had a little bit of Czech wine, and those producers who um, are really concentrating on really good quality wine and good grape growing practices do make rich aromatic wines, which Pinot Gris fits into, even if they might be hard to find. And then there's Romania with a thousand hectares and Moldova with about 2000 hectares. So we can see that in these countries, there's actually quite a lot of Pinot Gris being planted under different names. And if we think of Pinot Gris being a French grape variety, there's 2,600 hectares, but that's outnumbered by both Italy and Germany. And Moldova, a small wine-growing wine country, is not that far behind. And then there's also plantings in Ukraine and Russia, wines which would be quite hard to find for sure. So lots and lots of plantings of Pinot Gris slash Grigio and all its other names across Europe, but also in the New World as well. There are a couple of countries which I think, or regions slash countries, which have a lot in common, and those are Oregon and New Zealand. And in Oregon, there's about 1,100 hectares of plantings of Pinot Gris, and New Zealand, 1,500 hectares. And generally, in these uh, regions, it is called Pinot Gris because it is made in a, a richer style. And the reason I compare these two areas is not just because they have plantings of Pinot Gris, but they both settled on Pinot Gris as a signature grape variety at a surprisingly early stage, partly because there's no one else really planting it, and Pinot Grigio was very little known until recently in Italy. And so this could be a, a selling point to distinguish these countries or regions from other places in the world. The plantings of Pinot Gris in Oregon really date back to the very start of Oregon's wine industry in the 1960s, when David Lepp founded Aria Vineyards. And he really wanted to focus on Burg Burgundy and Alsace grape varieties. So his main focus was Pinot Noir, but he also planted Pinot Gris and also Pinot Blanc as well. And so producers have followed suit. Also, experiments with Chardonnay did not work in Oregon because they were using the wrong clones. Clones more suited to California's warmer climate. And so the wines would have far too high acidity because they were designed to maintain their acidity in a warmer climate. And so a lot of producers became afraid of Chardonnay in Oregon, wrongly. Now that the correct clones are planted there, the wines are much more successful. But it meant that there was a concentration on Pinot Gris. Because Pinot Gris is so closely related to Pinot Noir, there is that strong connection with Pinot Gris still. While in New Zealand, 20 years ago now, there was a, a massive expansion in plantings, and that was at the height of the anything but Chardonnay trend. And so producers decided, a lot of producers decided they would not plant Chardonnay, they would plant something else, and they went for Pinot Gris. Because obviously New Zealand is most known for Sauvignon Blanc, which is a fairly aromatic grape variety, and Pinot Gris fits into that profile, albeit with lower acidity. And so Pinot Gris is planted all over New Zealand, uh, particularly Marlborough and Hawke's Bay and Central Otago, but almost every region has some Pinot Gris, about 1,500 hectares of plantings. And like Oregon, these wines might be made into an off-dry style, again, to balance those tannins, but the acidity should be fairly high because New Zealand has a moderate climate. And again, with semi-aromatics, fairly rich, but not too powerful. 
So it suggests that Alsace is the richest and most powerful style of Pinot Gris, but these New World uh, regions are more akin to Alsace than they are to the Pinot Grigio of um, northern Italy. In California, there's actually over 5,000 hectares of Pinot Gris planted, which is quite surprising. So that's t nearly twice as much as France, even though we associate Pinot Gris with France. And so it's planted in lots of different regions, but I think more for blending. There are some single varietal versions of Pinot Gris, which aren't necessarily that interesting in a warmer climate. They don't really have the acidity and can be a little too rich. Washington has over 600 hectares. British Columbia has nearly 400 hectares. There's 350 hectares in Argentina. And then finally, in Australia, there's nearly 3,000 hectares of, of uh, plantings of Pinot Gris. And this is something that's been seen on the market um, more and more, again, in a slightly richer style, but producers are often making these wines, maybe with a little bit of tannin, a little bit of skin contact, a little bit of color, can fit into uh, natural wine um, making to um, give the, the, the wine a, a skin, skinny tannic structure. So that's uh, Pinot Gris slash Grigio, planted all over around the world, perhaps more than um, is appreciated. Small amounts in some countries, but still interesting wines being made. Larger amounts in other countries where the styles can really vary from dry to off dry to sweet. It's actually quite luscious, rich, aromatic, or of course, a very neutral style as with Pinot Grigio. So an interesting grape variety to, um, to explore and to follow and to learn about some of the traditions of all these different countries who have worked with this great variety for a lot longer than we perhaps realize. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.